Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa ala rasulillah. So inshallah ta'ala we're continuing with our parables in the Qur'an and today we're going to be covering uh, ayat 75 and 76 of Surah An-Nahl. Um, uh, Allah Ta'ala gives the two analogies, uh, two parables in this in these ayat. But before we get into them, I just want to introduce introduce it with the ayah right before it, which is ayah number seventy four of Surah Al Nahl. Allah says, "Bagh ta'arudu billahi min al-shaytanir rajim." Fala tadribu lillahi al-amthal inna Allah yaglamu wa antum la taglamun. Do not assert similarities to Allah. Indeed, Allah knows, and you do not know. So the reason why this introduction is important is because it's stating what? Don't create examples or parables with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, don't liken Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the creation. Don't talk about what you don't understand at all when it comes to the supernatural realm. This is when it comes to the afterlife and all these different things. These are things that Allah ta'ala sends revelation to help us understand. Just talk about what you know. Just talk about people. And this is a really interesting concept uh, because the very next ayah is now going to give us examples using people but the objective is to show the hypocrisy about the disbelievers. And you'll see exactly what I mean in a moment. So since it's saying, look, don't make examples about Allah. You don't understand the divine realm. Let's just stick to what you do know, uh, which is human beings. So Allah Ta'ala gives this example. The very next ayah, ayah number 75. Allah says, Allah presents an example, a slave who is owned and unable to do a thing. And he, he uh, to whom, so that's, that's one example, this, this slave who is owned, who's unable to do anything. And he to whom we have provided from us good provision. So you have this contrast, somebody who's owned and can't do anything versus the one who's been provided for in abundance, uh, uh, good provisions from us. So he spends from it secretly and publicly. Can they be equal? Praise to Allah, but most of them do not know. So there's a few a few different perspectives on these on this particular parable. What is Allah Subhanahu wa referring to, and what is it supposed to make us realize? Well, the first perspective is that Allah Subhanahu wa is striking an example between two human beings, and obviously humans are of the same genus. They're of the same category. They're they're humans, right? One of them is owned, Abd Mamluk, and the other one is basically the owner. Uh, uh, the one who's been given all sorts of provisions, he's doing very well financially, and because of that he can spend openly and secretly. And so the question is, if every human understands the incredible difference between these two human beings, how much greater is the difference between the creation and the creator, right? So this is the idea that you, mushrikun, um, uh, you, you uh, uh, polytheists, you are creating... Uh, these deities, you're, you're carving out idols and you're saying, oh, we worship this or we worship that. And basically you're worshiping the uh, uh, creation instead of the creator. How different, how vastly, incredibly different are the creation versus uh, uh, the creator? You have to be able to realize this given the fact that, look, even if you don't understand anything about the creator, just look at what you do know. Look at human beings. You might say, oh, well, you know, they're all humans and so they're the same, but you yourself know, well, there's a huge difference between humans. Some of them are strong, some of them are weak, some of them are fast, some of them are slow. And uh, in, in this example, some of them are owned and unable to do anything and are completely just incapable and uh, uh, you know, uh, have no, no abilities whatsoever versus some of them are wealthy and have lots of uh, potential and they can give to whoever they want, they can help and so on and so forth. So this is uh, one way of looking at this analogy. And in this parable, the idols are like the owned servant, and they can do nothing for themselves, and they can do nothing for others. That's why they are owned, and uh, uh, they uh, have no power. 
And furthermore, Allah Ta'ala is like this. You could say that Allah Ta'ala is like the wealthy owner, the one who has all these provisions, and that, uh, uh, that not only takes care of himself, obviously Allah Ta'ala is self-sufficient, but he can take care of others as well, hence spending uh, openly and secretly. So that's one perspective on this analogy, saying, listen, you shouldn't make any sort of analogies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you don't understand the divine realm. Just stick to what you know. Allah Ta'ala gives a, a, a parable regarding human beings and what these uh, other humans will understand and shows just how great the contrast is to get them understanding that, wow, you know, when it comes to Allah Ta'ala, the difference is even greater. So this is one way of looking at it. The second perspective is that the owned person, the Abd Mamluk, represents the Mushrikeen, represents the disbelievers. Why? Because the disbelievers, uh, uh, they are constantly being provided for by Allah Ta'ala. They're constantly being given all sorts of gifts. And yet, despite their provision, they don't please their master in any way whatsoever. They're useless to their master. Hence why Allah Ta'ala says what? Uh, uh, that mamlukan la yaqdiru ala shay. That they have no ability to do anything. They're owned, they're abdun mamluk. They are an owned uh, um, uh, servants. And obviously, when you are mamluk, that implies that you have a malik. When you are owned, that implies that you have an owner. And so, uh, unfortunately, this person's owner is their false deity. In other words, what does that mean? That they have subjected themselves, they have enslaved themselves to these idols who renders their deeds null and void. When a, the mushrik enslaves himself to this ab, to, 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 his, uh, to an idol, every good deed that they do, even if it is good, becomes null and void. Why? Because it is done for the sake of shirk. And therefore, that intention obviously nullifies it in the, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why this disbeliever, he is owned and he's unable to do anything because he's owned by the one that he is, uh, uh, you know, he's enslaved himself to, this idol, and therefore all of his deeds are rendered null and void. Meanwhile, the wealthy person who is man razaqnahu minna rizqan hasanan represents who? The Prophet and the believers, represents those who are righteous. Why? Because their good provisions is their wealth and they can spend it openly and secretly, referring to the charity and obvious and, and overall the positive effect that they have on the believers and on society in general. Why? Because they continuously do good deeds, they give in charity, and all of that is actually considered valid. So those are two perspectives. Uh, the third perspective, I think, is also quite interesting as well. The third perspective is that the Abd Mamluk, this owned person, represents the rulers of this dunya. We look at the different kings, we look at the different presidents and prime ministers, we look at all these people who have all sorts of power, and we think, oh, they must be in charge. So yes, we think they're in charge, and we're perhaps even envious of their power, and we even fear their punishment, when in reality, they're completely owned. They are Abd Mamluk. They cannot lift a single finger without Allah Ta'ala's permission. Whereas the one who is the one who is uh, uh, free to give as much as he wants, this represents Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who obviously uh, uh, can provide and is the one who is truly in charge. So this is the uh, first parable and you can look at it from these three different perspectives and Allah knows best. But ultimately they're always reminding us, I think the first one makes the most sense because like I said, the ayah right before it was referring to uh, uh, shirk and not committing shirk. So that first one seems to be uh, very strong, but then again, subhanAllah, you can also look at it from the perspective of believer versus disbeliever, one person whose actions are void because of their shirk, and the other one whose who their actions, their good deeds are valid because of their tawheed. Uh, so, uh, and even the third one, subhanAllah, you know, the idea that, you know, don't be deceived by this dunya, don't think that these people are in charge, rather Allah Ta'ala is in charge, this also works as well. So these are the three different perspectives. Then the next ayah, which is ayah number 76, Allah Ta'ala strikes forth another parable. Allah Ta'ala says, بَعْدَ عَرُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلَ الرَّجُلَيْنِ أَحَدُهُمَا أَبْكَمْ لَا يَقْدِرُ عَلَى شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ كَلٌّ عَلَى مَوْلَاهُ 
أينما يوجهه لا يأتي بخير هل يستوي هو ومن يأمر بالعدل وهو على صراط مستقيم Allah Ta'ala says and Allah presents an example of two men one of them is you could say dumb or mute and unable to do a thing while he is a burden to his guardian wherever he directs him he brings no good is he equal to one who commands justice while he is on a straight path. So notice, first and foremost, notice the difference between these two parables, because you read them both and you think that they seem so similar. That's true, at first glance they do seem similar, but subhanAllah, you'll notice that the first one, uh, ayah number 75, is all about physical provisions, right? Allah Ta'ala was talking about who? Allah was talking about uh, uh, this uh, um, uh, slave who is owned and unable to do a thing, uh, versus the one who has been provided for and he's also able to spend. So you clearly see there's the theme of what? Money, physical, tangible wealth that uh, this one person has none and is unable to earn. The other one has lots of it and he's able to spend it and put it in any direction that he wants. So it's about physical provisions. Whereas this ayah, ayah number 76, was about what? Was much more about information or guidance, or direction, or whatever term you want. It's not something physical, it's something, uh, you could say metaphysical. You know, information is not a physical thing, it is more conceptual in nature. Why do I say that? Well, because specifically it mentions what? He's unable to speak, he's unable to uh, take directions. No matter where you direct him, he has uh, no guidance. And furthermore, the other one who is actually good, the, 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 the contrast, he commands to justice. Again, justice is not a physical thing, it's conceptual in nature. Uh, and he's on a straight path. That means he's uh, living a good life and you know living in a in, in in a righteous under guidance. But again, guidance is not a physical thing. Living the right life that's not a physical, tangible thing. It's 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 conceptual in nature. So these are all metaphysical concepts, and Allah knows best. So you see the a clear contrast between these two parables. Now the question is, what does this parable represent? Well, uh, uh, Qatada he says that the the two men represent what? Uh, the first one represents false religions that can either center around idols or a false prophet. Now, if, it, if we're talking about false idols, then obviously they cannot speak. That's a reference to the fact that they have no revelation, right? They don't, you know, when you create, carve out an idol and then worship this idol, is it sending you revelation? Is it giving you guidance? Obviously not. So it cannot speak. It has no ability to do so. And it can't do anything. And, and what's that referring to? It has no ability to create or benefit or harm. It's just an idol. And it's a burden to its master. That's a reference to the idolaters. They need to not only carve out these idols, they need to create them, clean them, and maintain these idols and make sure nothing, you know, cobwebs or whatever the case is, don't make them dirty. But again, also another perspective is that it's talking about false prophets. Yes, of course, a false prophet can speak, they have the ability to speak, but their guidance isn't, is actually misguidance. And hence, the concept of wherever he directs him, he brings him no good. In other words, this prophet, this false prophet, you know, he can speak, but it's all jumbled nonsense. And wherever he directs somebody, it's never going to bring any good. The other, on the, on the flip side, uh, the other example refers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is calling to justice uh, and who is also on the straight path. And this is actually mentioned in the Quran in uh, Surah Hud, ayah number 56. Allah says, Indeed, my Lord is on a straight, uh, is on a path that is straight, or you could say is on the straight path. So yes, you have this false religion and then, of course, the, the truth, which Allah ta'ala obviously commands to the truth, uh, to, to justice, and he is guiding you to the straight path. That's the first perspective. The second perspective, and I really like this one, I think this is quite, quite beautiful, is that this verse is talking about perennialists. Uh, perennialists are essentially people who say that every religion is equally good. All religions are uh, equally valid. 
Um, and they'll often give an analogy. I've heard perennialists say things like, oh, well, it doesn't matter what religion you are. You know, uh, we're all climbing a mountain and we're all going to reach the same peak at one point or another. So if the Hindu is going up this side and the Muslim is going up that side and the uh, uh, Buddhist and the Christian and the Jew, and they're all going up different sides of the mountain, but all their religions are good because they're all going to reach the peak. They're all going to go to heaven anyhow. So this idea that all religions are equally valid is a perennialist concept. They'll say, as long as you believe in any religion, any god, any ideology that helps you to be a kind, then all the religions are equally good. So Allah Ta'ala is providing us with a response, saying what? That all humans are equal in their status as humans, but that doesn't mean that all humans are the same. Again, some people can speak, some people cannot. Some people have guidance, some people are un not guided. And so if you can see this even within your own community, then why would you therefore attribute this uh, in the spiritual realm, a realm that you uh, understand much less. And you can clearly see that, I mean, even in, this, in the smaller scale, in, in terms of dunya, no, there's a huge, vast difference between different human beings. I should not uh, say, oh yeah, all religions are the same. So Allah Ta'ala is presenting this example. There's a third perspective, which I think is quite interesting as well. Actually, I think this is perhaps the, uh, the strongest position, which is what? That the two people are referenced to the munafiq and the mu'min, the hypocrite and the believer. So let's look at the hypocrite. The hypocrite represent, is represented by the statement who is, he cannot speak, as in, even though, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll listen to this Qur'an and claim Islam, they don't call to that which is good. They are hypocrites. They're, uh, you know, unfortunately twisting the religion and always uh, representing in the worst way and making a bad example of it. So, and they're unable to do anything because they're doing it for the wrong reasons, therefore their deeds are never uh, considered uh, righteous. And furthermore, they're a burden to their guardian. In other words, uh, uh, instead of bringing good to the ummah, instead of being somebody who actually participates and brings benefit to the ummah, they only make things worse. They only bring more discord to the jama'ah, to the, to the community. And what makes it worse is that because whenever you direct him, he brings no good. In other words, you try harder and harder to direct them towards what is good, but their heart is sealed. They have a disease of their heart, and so it does not benefit. This seems like uh, the stronger opinion because it says, wherever he directs him, he brings no good, implying that the master is directing him to good. In other words, this person is listening to Qur'an and Sunnah. So whenever Allah Ta'ala is sending you know, guidance, the master is guiding this person, but it's not having a benefit. So that means they are listening. They are Muslim, but unfortunately, it's a munafiq. It's a hypocrite. Whereas the believer represents, is represented in the statement, which says what? That uh, is he uh, equal to one who commands justice while he is on the straight path? Obviously, the believer is the one who commands the justice and is upon the straight path. The reason why I find this so compelling, and just to close off, is because you have these two parables back to back, I number 75 and I number 76. And what you find is that 75 is describing the difference between uh, uh, belief and disbelief, or you could say, uh, uh, you know, kufr and iman. So that's one layer. And then there's a layer even deeper, which is what? Ayah number 76, which is the difference between nifaq and iman, hypocrisy and iman. So one of them is the more obvious one. Here's your obvious shirk or kufr versus iman. And then the second one, go, go a little bit deeper. This one is what? Nifaq, hypocrisy, the more hidden thing, and then true iman. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Jazakallah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.